Hello and a warm welcome to this bonus episode of the EMJ podcast. I'm Dr Hannah Moyer, Senior Medical Writer and Moderator for EMJ. And today I am pleased to be bringing you an exploration of the topic improving first-line therapy of patients with rheumatoid arthritis with optimised methotrexate. This podcast has been funded by Medec GmbH. Joining me for today's EMJ podcast are three well-known experts in the field of rheumatoid arthritis, namely Professor Torsten Witter, Professor Andrea Rubathrot, and Dr Alessandro Giollo, who will be delving into the latest advancements and offer perspectives in the management of rheumatoid arthritis with a specific focus on optimising methotrexate. So let's begin. First up, we have Professor Vitter, who is the Director of the Department of Rheumatology and Clinical Immunology at the Hanover Medical School in Germany. His research focuses on autoimmunity and the identification and functional characterization of novel antibodies as markers of chronic inflammatory disorders and connective tissue diseases. Professor Vitter will provide insights into the clinical benefits of methotrexate, elaborating on its efficacy and safety, as well as the beneficial effects of optimised doses and the subcutaneous administration. Furthermore, Professor Vitter will discuss the possibility of combination therapy. Over to you, Professor Vitter. Methotrexate is the gold standard in the therapy of rheumatoid arthritis. So according to the management guidelines of the EULA, we should use it as the first drug in the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis and also later on as an anchor drug in the combination with biologicals or even JAK inhibitors. According to the EULA recommendations, we should optimize methotrexate therapy, that is increase the dosage to 20 or 25 milligrams per week. And that is probably not possible by an oral administration because it has been shown that there is an uh, that there's a maximum dose which is actually taken up. And so it doesn't make too much sense in increasing the oral dose to higher levels than 50 milligrams per week. So if we want to increase the dose, we have to switch to subcutaneous methotrexate. And that also translates into clinical efficacy. So we have seen head-to-head trials, and it has been shown that the ACR20s are higher in patients on subcutaneous methotrexate compared to those on the same dose of uh, oral uh, methotrexate. And also there's an advantage with regard to the adverse events, at least gastrointestinal side effects appear to be less frequent in patients on subcutaneous methotrexate. Right, the idea behind the study was to see whether or not the German rheumatologists follow the EULA recommendations to optimize methotrexate therapy. And therefore, we studied those patients in Germany with array that had finally been treated with a biological. And we analyzed the maximum dose of methotrexate that was administered to these patients. And we also studied whether this was administered subcutaneously or orally. And the result was a bit disappointing because only two-thirds of the patients had ever been on parenteral methotrexate. And even in these patients, only a third was dose-optimized that is treated with at least 20 milligrams per week. So there is room for optimization also among us rheumatologists. Thank you, Professor Vitter, for that introduction. 
Next up, we have Professor Rupert Rott, who currently serves as the Chief Physician and Deputy Clinic Head at the Clinic of Rheumatology, Canton Hospital, St. Gallen, Switzerland. She was recently appointed as the President of the Scientific Commission of the Swiss Society of Rheumatology. Professor Rupert Rott discusses the latest developments of methotrexate therapy for rheumatoid arthritis, touching on recent publications that deal with the pros and cons of methotrexate. Additionally, she discusses the possibility of future investigations providing unexpected insights on methotrexate. Professor Rupert Rott, what are the latest insights? Um, there have been recent microbiome studies because the human microbiome consists of trillions of bacteria and these bacteria may actually do something, in particular with, with drugs. There is some interaction with the human microbiome and checkpoint inhibitors, for instance, known with regard to the drugs we use for treating rheumatoid arthritis. In particular, methotrexate has been shown that it may be um, enzymatically destroyed or, I mean, the, the concentration diminished by uh, bacteria within the human microbiome. There has been a very interesting, even though small trial, uh, from Adagio and colleagues from, US, from New York, Joseph Scher's group. And they actually did microbiome analysis in methotrexate-naive RA patients. And they, uh, it basically resulted that those patients who were uh, methotrexate non-responders had a higher um, diversity with regard to their bacteria within, within the gut. And also subsequently some in vitro studies showing that this may result in a lower concentration of methotrexate and um, because the bacteria seem to, con seem to um, contain more fast metabolizers. The big question, of course, is, is this something that it's only true for oral methotrexate or might it eventually explain why sub-Q methotrexate is working better? We don't know, but I think it's an interesting point to know. And uh, I think in order to avoid that sub-Q, and it has been demonstrated by, by other trials, the trial by Jürgen Braun, of course, it's quite famous that sub-Q methotrexate is the preferred way to use methotrexate uh, for all patients. The SATIC trial has been an observational trial on more than 700 patients with rheumatoid arthritis. They were on methotrexate, 15 milligram, and having modest disease activity. Um, and actually, there were two ways how um, the patients were, were treated subsequently. One was to adapt methotrexate with regard to dose and or administration. 70% of the patients were on oral methotrexate. Um, so there was also the option to use sub-Q or to increase the dose or to do both versus a group of patients where biologic DMARD was added. And there was propensity score matching for, for this trial. And with regard to the visual analog scale for pain, the disease activity, as well as for the HECTI, uh, I think very interestingly, uh, the therapeutic responses were comparable between those where uh, metrotexate use was optimized and um, an addition of a biologic demult um, was induced. So I think it tells us something that um, it might be worse in specific in patients where tolerability is good. And I think that's a limitation. If a patient is having a hard time with 50 milligram methotrexate, it may not be a good option to increase in any case. But for those who, who tolerate methotrexate, um, the increase in the methotrexate dose or switching to sub-Q might be a good option. RAILD is a complication that may occur in about 10% of um, RA patients. And these are mainly patients with high titers of CCP antibodies. Um, it was always a question, 
is it is it wise to to continue methotrexate or to stop it because it has been well known that methotrexate may induce alveolitis on a more allergic base um, we know since a couple of years that there has been a publication from our Spanish colleagues in 2017 that the overall survival, and we are really speaking of survival as a hard endpoint for patients with RAILD where metotrexate is continued, is better than those where metotrexate was stopped. So based on this, there has been a recent analysis looking for patients, over 400 patients with RAILD, actually comparing it to more than 600 patients without ILD from different European and South American countries and virtually confirming the same that the development until RAILD is postponed in patients on metotrexate. So I think it's another example that metotrexate has effect virtually beyond the joints and RAILD uh, maybe among the manifestations where we see a benefit. Thank you, Professor Rupert Rott, for sharing these valuable insights with us. We now have Dr. Diolo, who is the lead of refractory arthritis, synovial biopsy and osteoporosis clinics at the Rheumatology Unit, Department of Medicine, University of Padova in Italy. His clinical work and research interests cover refractory and early rheumatoid arthritis, vasculitis, systemic sclerosis and cardiovascular involvement of rheumatic and musculoskeletal diseases. Dr. Giolo talks about the opportunity of optimised methotrexate therapy in early rheumatoid arthritis, preventing difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis. He elucidates on the importance of implementing methotrexate therapy early in the disease course and the negative consequences of not doing so. So, over to Dr. Diolo for his expert insights. Uh, difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis is a real concern for rheumatologists, as up to 20% of patients uh, will become difficult to treat at some point during their disease course, and uh, this comes at high social costs. Uh, we designed a study, a prospective cohort study, to understand whether the initial management of RA would affect the outcome of difficult to treat RA. We included 50, uh, around 50 patients with uh, difficult to treat RA and 150 uh, patients as controls. What we found is that um, only 16% of difficult to treat RA patients started methotrexate within three months since their diagnosis compared to 34% of controls. So this is twice higher proportion. Uh, the other factor was that glucocorticoids uh, were maintained for more than six months in 71% of difficult to treat array patients compared to around 30%. There was an hesitancy to start methotrexate and hesitancy to maintain the methotrexate uh, beyond six months. And there was also an hesitancy to um, up titrate the dose to the maximum tolerated one and the most effective one. So when we looked at this uh, in uh, multivariable regression, we found then that uh, the most uh, important and modifiable factor to prevent difficult to treat array was the uh, initial um, uh, the starting methotrexate very early during the disease course, as it could decrease the odds of becoming difficult to treat by 70%. The other factor was the, the, the use of glucocorticoids beyond six months. Um, eventually, we found that uh, uh, early implementation and optimization of methotrexate was preventing the most inflammatory uh, forms of uh, refractory arthritis, while glucocorticoids were actually associated with both non-inflammatory and inflammatory forms. 
Uh, well, the, the first message, of course, is that um, glucocorticoids, if maintained after six months, um, inform the rheumatologist that uh, that patient is likely to uh, develop a difficult to treat array at some point in their life. The other important point is that we need to uh, introduce methotrexate very early, uh, within three months, because we can actually prevent refractory array. And this is very important uh, in terms of optimization and use also of subcutaneous route instead of oral uh, because of uh, more tolerability and higher efficacy in terms of uh, remission, early remission, drug-free remission as well. Thank you so much, Dr. Giolo, for sharing those key perspectives and takeaways. Today's journey through the field of rheumatoid arthritis has been very informative and we have gained a deeper understanding of optimising methotrexate for rheumatoid arthritis treatment. Our thanks go to Professor Torsten Vitter, Professor Andrea Rubert-Rott and Dr Alessandro Giolo for joining us today and sharing their insights around improving first-line therapy of patients with rheumatoid arthritis with optimised methotrexate. If you enjoyed this episode, you can tune in to more EMJ podcasts through your preferred podcast platform or by visiting emjreviews.com. So until next time, take care and goodbye for now.